Well, welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm back here with James. I'm Brad. James, how's it going? It is going great. Well, we're uh, we had some great interviews, and now we're transitioning slightly to talk about mobilization. So, give us a little uh, heads up on what we're going to be talking about today. Oh uh, well, you know, we, you and I had been talking about. I guess you'd been thinking about it, right? Like, is the interest in missions in America is it growing or shrinking? Because a lot of what we do, we do training, we do, we're helping send, but a lot of it's is helping mobilize, and so that's a term we use in the missions world a lot, but it's not a term that we use a whole lot in the rest of our lives. And so when we think about mobilizing, it's actually, it's a military term. Like you mobilize an army, like you, you call out the people, you get them formed up, you know, and, and sent over to the battlefield. And so that's kind of the same thing for when we talk Mm -hmm. about it in missions, you know, we're helping raise up awareness, calling people to go, presenting the need in front of them um, and then, you know, helping train them, helping get organized. And, and for us in one link, we're doing that in partnership with our, with our stateside partners, with campus ministries and churches are really forming a partnership there. It's not a, it's not a, you send us your students turn loose and don't do anything and we'll take care of everything, but it's a, we're going to work together with you to do that. And we, we find it to be really beneficial. So anyway, that's what mobilization is. What do you think, Brad? Is is interest in in missions in America growing or shrinking? Is it harder to mobilize now? Easier to mobilize now? Well, first, let me. I, I think uh, I want to respond to the idea of this. You know, mobilizing the military concept of preparing people to go to this battle. I mean, I think that's really appropriate for what we're doing as well. I mean, we're you know a spiritual battle, very real battle that we're sending them to, and. Uh, I know this is particularly important for us, James, and others on staff with us, because our, our heart is, for many of us, is to be overseas, be there with people that we know and love, sharing the gospel. But right now, the Lord has us here in the States, and so we want to multiply ourselves, multiply our efforts. So this is really uh, a key issue, something near and dear to my heart. But to answer your question, the short answer is I have no <laughs> idea, <laughs> because it's so hard. You hear sort of sound bites. And I think we tend to, particularly if you're in, in missions mobilization, you know, you're, you tend to always be sort of wringing your hands. Like, are people really getting this? Are people really, uh, are enough people going to the nations? Because we know the need is just so massive and overwhelming. And so, you know, to answer that question, I think primarily people rely on what what I would call anecdotes. You know, they they hear, they meet with someone and that person's not interested in missions or is interested in missions, or they have a group of people that they talk to and they have a certain response. And I think that can get us in trouble if we're trying to get a real accurate picture of is, are people more or less interested in missions today? Because, well, there's a couple of factors. One is I think negative voices tend to be louder than positive ones. Mm-hmm. For example, if you're the pastor at a church and you give your sermon and there's a hundred people there, if 99% of them or if 99 of the hundred say, yeah, it was a good sermon, but one person comes up to you afterwards and says, that was <laughs> terrible pastor. What are you going to think about? Right. I mean, right. you're going to come out of there saying, oh, they hated my sermon. It was, a, you know, they didn't like it because that, you know, that, that negative voice is quite loud. So if you have a discouraging interaction, you go, you know, when I've gone to speak to churches, almost inevitably, 
there'll be someone that will come up and say, well, you know, we need to reach all the people here before we start sending them overseas or, you know, there's plenty of need right here. And so if you have one of those, there might be lots of people that really were moved and, and wanted to respond, but that will tend to taint your view of where people are at. So I think mm -hmm. anecdotes can be tricky. I mean, also when you're passionate about something, you always feel like it's underappreciated. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? And it is. It is underappreciated. <laughs> That's right. Well, because you're passionate about this. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's funny. We were talking in past episodes about business as missions and these kind of things. And I can remember uh, when I was overseas, I went and I met with somebody and they were really into business as missions. And they said, you know, nobody cares about business as missions. Everybody's just trying to do this more traditional missions route. And then I think it was maybe the same day or the next day I met with someone and they were saying, man, everybody's getting into this business as missions thing. And then, you know, they're just forgetting all the, <laughs> the fundamental missions, tasks, things. And so we're, we're kind of that way, our human nature. So I think it's, it's tricky to know. Uh, but I did do, try to do a little research, so maybe that could help us some. But if, I think mm -hmm. even it is, uh, it's hard to draw real great conclusions from that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when you look at research, uh, what do you what do you come up with? Who do you go to? Well, just recently, this is probably 2021, some point, uh, the IMB, International Mission Board, and Barna, who's a big, they're a big Christian research organization, if you're not familiar with them. They teamed up and did some studies and they put, put out this book called The Future of Missions. And so they were kind of looking at a lot of these questions of, you know, different demographics are younger people more or less interested in missions? What are their obstacles to missions? Uh, so on and so what are their interests in missions? Do they want to do business? Do they want to do, you know, um, more social justice kind of things? And so I, we, I had our staff kind of go through this, I think it was maybe last year. And then I just kind of brushed back up on it yesterday before this. And so I was, there were some interesting uh, statistics in there. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, so the, the first thing they get into is do people value, do churchgoers value missions still? And so they interviewed, I don't know how, however many they did, a thousand, something like that, in what they called engaged Christians. So these are people who are actively involved in their church and they're, you know, they're not uh, just culturally Christian. And of that, uh, in each demographic, they had, you know, under 18, they had 18 to 35, and then above 35 were the three categories they did. And in all three of them, missions, there's over 70% of the people said they highly valued missions. Now, on the one hand, you and I would say that should be 100%. <laughs> yeah. right? What's going on with the other 30%? But I think if you look at, and, and in some cases, it was you know, it's basically three fourths in in most of the categories. But I think if you look at the breadth of uh, churchgoers out there, you know, and different levels of discipleship, interest, whatever, I, overall, I think that's a fairly positive statistic that seventy to seventy five percent of people highly valued missions. Now, there were certainly others that said they value, maybe they sort of valued it or you know didn't highly. Yes, we all one hundred percent. That I'd say that's generally that's not a bad most, <laughs> most of the Christians out there are valuing missions, which is positive. Uh, what I wondered though is, what are they defining as missions? Because I think that's a big question when you start mobilizing. Mm. And I'm saying missions, and you're saying missions. We don't always think the same things. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like evangelism or something like that. You know, you might be saying that, I might be saying that. We may not be talking about exactly the same thing. 
And so another one of the statistics that they did or, or studies that they did was what when you think of missions, what is that? And so several of the categories that came out of that, the top one was showing God's love. It was like 92% of the people identified that as a missions task, which uh, is certainly good. I, you know, you, that's another one of like, well, what do you mean by that exactly? But, you know, certainly we yeah. would say missionaries should show God's love. Mm-hmm. Sharing the gospel with non-believers, 85% of the people said uh, yeah, that's a that's a key part of the missions task. I would, you know, again, you'd want that to certainly be 100%, but that's fairly high. And then and then lesser amounts, but pretty high in you know, discipling believers, helping the poor, things like that. So though, you know, I, I think there's a relatively on the same page for most people as broadly, what does missions mean? We're going, we're showing God's love, we're sharing the gospel discipling believers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you might say generally people there's some agreement on what missions is and the church values it uh, largely. Uh the other statistic that was interesting to me was uh it said does the great commission apply to me was the question and well over 90% of the people said yes. So, again, uh, we want 100% on that, but but that's Fairly positive. So there's certainly, mm-hmm. at least in theory, the church largely values missions today and uh, sees missions as getting out there, sharing the gospel, things like that. But I think the the crux of the issue is it's one thing to say you value it, and it's another thing to be engaged to do it. Mm. Those are two very different things. Yeah. So that that's where I think the statistics, there's some discrepancy a little bit, you might say. Yeah, because I, I value exercising. But uh, <laughs> right, you unless know, you're getting up to do it, you're not. You're not. That's really, a whole uh, different, whole different. Yeah. yeah, whole different animal. Yeah, and I read a, a thing recently. It was just talking about sometimes with social media too. It's really easy to see something, click a like, click a, click something, repost it. You know, and you know, like, yeah, this is who I am. This is what I'm involved with. But you're not actually doing anything. You know, like you're maybe spreading the word a little bit, but in terms of of really giving feet to that, those, those beliefs. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that qualifies as, as really engagement. Mm-hmm. Well, you said something earlier that I thought was insightful. If you want to see if someone values it, maybe repeat that for our audience. Oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah. Let me see your checkbook and let me see your calendar. Yeah. And that's, that'll give me a pretty clear idea. Yeah. So where think. are you putting your, is your money where your mouth is and is your time committed mm-hmm. to these things? Sure. Certainly. And so there, I think there are, I mean, you hear uh, some of these things that just make you sort of slap your forehead you know, <laughs> in in frustration. But I mean, there, there was the, for a while, I heard several people say that, you know, uh, evangelicals, I can't remember which group, they're evangelicals, Baptists, somebody like that gives more, spends more on food for their pets than missions mm. and stuff like that. So those, those are out there. I've never, I can't verify that. I, I don't know, but it, that wouldn't surprise me I to think. be honest. No, but uh, you know, other things like the traveling team, they, they bring a lot of these statistics. So they, you know, will share things like of 95% of the offerings that people give to the church or to, you know, church uh, to Christian causes, I guess you could say uh, are for home-based ministry. Mm-hmm. By and, that you mean like North American or like inside our church or right America, it, you know, probably the large the lion's share being right at the church or in that community, 
which certainly we would expect there to be a, a high percentage. You want to reach your community and be a part of that. So, I, you know, that's that's not um, totally unreasonable. But then they go on to say 4.5% on cross-cultural efforts in already reached people groups and 0.5% to reach the unreached. So I think, you know, even, yes, you and I are, are zealots and we are going to always be, <laughs> let's give more, let's give more. But I think, you know, anybody to say 0.5% of funds being directed towards people who, you know, don't don't have access to the gospel, may not have mm. access to the church, the word of God, that seems off track to yeah. me. So that, that, that's, that was a little bit discouraging to read that. Yeah. Why don't you break down for a second what you were talking to our people we went and visited with in New England about unreached versus reached versus no access, uh, just to kind of define that a little bit. Yeah. So we'll, this word unreached is thrown around a lot in missions contexts, and you do get some, there's people feel different ways about it. Some, the traditional uh, definition would be a people group that is less than 2% uh, reached or 2% Christian, evangelical Christian, maybe you could even say, so some people would say, well, that's a bit arbitrary. And it is, it's just an arbitrary <laughs> percentage. But I think the idea behind it is if you can get to that point, then there's some amount of critical mass or some amount of momentum in that people group where the, the church can sustain itself. The church can become you know, much more able to reach their people. You know, otherwise, if if you're less than that, you're probably if you are in that country, you probably don't know a believer. You've never met a believer. You probably never been to a church. There may not be, even be a church in community. You may not know how to get a hold of the Bible. There may not even be a Bible in your language. And so that that's kind of those are the defining principles. More than some percentage, it's would someone in that culture out? You know, humanly speaking, I guess we could say because of course God can, you yeah. know bring someone from out of nowhere, an angel could come share with them, anything could happen. But humanly speaking, you know, you are highly unlikely to know believers, churches, or the word of God. And so that's what we're really trying to aim for. Whatever percentage you want to pick, yeah. that's what we're <laughs> aiming for is people that are in that category. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've got to give uh, some attention to that. To me, that that's a really compelling group of people out there, segment of the world that needs to be reached. Yeah, specifically, like one, it's not a if you look at it in the grand scheme of the amount of wealth that we have, that's not a lot, even 5%. It's not a lot to be focusing on missions. But then of that, uh, and I have to be careful that I'm not a mission snob, but of that, you know, like, like, what is that? 10% of, of the money that we give to missions, only 10% of it actually goes to those that don't have access. And that, I mean, that, that troubles me. And it's not that these other, other projects aren't good. It's not that, it's not good to go build a house somewhere for somebody, but it's a vast different thing to be like, this person will live and die and never hear the name of Jesus. And when they get to heaven, or, or, or you know, not to heaven, when they get, get to judgment, you know, they're not this innocent person. What they are is a sinner in desperate need of a savior, and they never heard his name. Mm -hmm. and, and for us as Christians, like that should be absolutely unacceptable. Yeah. And I think this is the what you're touching on is sort of the crux of missions mobilization. And we've talked a lot about this as a staff of how do we do this well? Because, <laughs> I mean, there's certainly things like this of like, come on, guys, wake up, you know, the sort of exhortative uh, mobilization. And 
but then you'll get people like, well, James came and he made me feel so guilty and, yeah. you know, it's so heavy. And, and so <laughs> I, I, I don't, I mean, I've kind of in our, in our staff meetings, I'm like, I don't know, guys, your guess is as good as mine, the best way to do this. <laughs> but certainly this is true. I mean, we, this, this is something that should really break our hearts. But the question is, how do we invite people into that into without it. it just being, uh, you know, a smack so over heavy. the head every time? Yeah. 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 And so you're right. I think the mission snobs, we always walk this very fine line of not alienating people. Because as I mentioned earlier, the most common thing someone will come up and say to me after I talk about missions is, well, I, I feel called to, you know, reach people right here. And so we we certainly want to not come across as, well, that's dumb. <laughs> you know, we this, if God calls people to that, I mean, mm -hmm. you and I are are living in very reached parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And and we're trying to be a part of those communities and and share the gospel with people. And mm -hmm. so there's, you know, we're we're trying to be faithful to that and others are too. So we don't want to make people feel like they, you know, what they're doing is not important. But at the same time, we can't keep we can't just put on blinders to this. So mm -hmm. That is the trick to mobilization, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, other, uh, just was kind of looking at some of the notes I made here. Other things, uh, I'll just read this one. Christian's an annual income is twelve point three trillion. Two point three or two hundred thirteen billion is given to Christian causes. Eleven point four billion is given to foreign missions. Eight percent, seven percent of which goes to work being done among already Christian people. Twelve percent goes to work among the evangelized non-Christians and 1% among the unevangelized. So that was a mouthful. Basically, yeah. <laughs> the long and the short of this is, you know, a small percentage of our income goes to missions and an even smaller percentage, 1% goes to the unevangelized. And so, uh, again, if we're talking about priorities, so that, that really, I think, is telling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of that has to do with mission strategies. There's some things that are easier yeah, something that has like, are we raising up local believers and are we really like teaching them to move forward with the resources they have or are we going to fund it from the outside, uh, which is all kinds of issues come from that. Uh, and it's a, it's a tricky thing to walk. Well, I think you're trying to get us into a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. <laughs> like, Smarter people one thing than us. at a time here. One okay. thing at a time. <laughs> okay. But so uh, let me kind of jump back to this uh, study that was done with Barna. I, they have some things that I was kind of wondering, well, what is for those who are maybe not valuing missions or not as plugged into missions, what are some of the issues? And so they identify this group that they call throughout the study. What What is the term they use? Engaged skeptics, something like that, mm -hmm. involved skeptics. So they're, uh, they're people, Christians, oh, I'm sorry, supportive skeptics. That's the word. I just found it in my notes. So they, they're, you know, they care about missions in some way, but they have some concerns. They're a little bit skeptical. And okay. so they interviewed this, this group and said, what is your, what is your concern about? Why do you not, you know, make missions very valuable on your survey? And they said, they asked them questions like, do you think that missions was uh, unethical in the past? Or does mission, is missions tainted by colonialism? And so these were very, for that demographic of young adults, 18 to 34, those were big issues. So 51% of them said, yes, I, uh, I strongly agree with the state or strongly or somewhat agree with the statement that missions has been unethical in the past. Is missions tainted by colonialism? 71% said, 
either I strongly agree or somewhat agree with that statement among that demographic. And then this is the one that I thought was really surprising to me. They asked the question, should Christianity fix its reputation before doing more missions work? And 63% of this sort of supportive skeptics demographic said, yes, agree wow. or strongly agree. And I thought that's a bit, I mean, that's a- you know, both of those things, sort of the colonialism and the the fixing its reputation. I mean, I, I don't know how realistic it is to do that when you would feel like, okay, now that's accomplished. Now that's gone. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so those seem to be issues for those who are a little bit skeptical about mm-hmm. missions. Yeah. When they say unethical, do you know what they mean or what do you think they mean by that? It, it doesn't give specifics. I would guess maybe it could be things of, I don't know, paying people or, you know, uh, using this sort of colonial, you know, we all come in. Sort of these these little stories you hear about the, you know, the Spanish army came in and like, all right, you're all Catholics Perfect. and, you know, this kind of mm-hmm. thing. I, I'm guessing there was some some idea of that. Now, that would probably get into the colonialism issue as well. But, you know, really, I think this uh, comes from either one, just these little sort of soundbite things you hear like, oh, yeah, the missionaries back in those days used to all do X. Uh, or secular history, you know, these history books, they don't portray <laughs> missions positively. And so to me, I feel like if people really invest in learning about missions, history, they, what they'll see is it's just incredibly diverse. You get, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have read a lot of these books and, and it's easy to say, well, you know, back in the 19th century, everyone, they just you know went to their missions compounds and you know, they were involved in colonialism. Well, you know, that that's completely oversimplifying yeah. Yeah. missions. You know, there was diverse things people were doing. Some really wonderful. I mean, you and I and anybody going out today can't hold a candle to the perseverance, the mm-hmm. willingness to sacrifice, uh, yeah. all these things that were done back then. So I think some of this comes from misunderstanding of the past. Mm-hmm. And just this this idea that well, all these missionaries were forcing people to convert or were, you know, uh, using the colonial powers to get their agenda done. That's you can certainly find examples of bad things that happened back then, but you can find examples today in I, any era mm-hmm. that bad things are happening. So yeah. I think that's probably more education piece to help people see yeah. history. Yeah, it could be. And I think it's it's also good to point out that, like, I don't think missions will ever have a good reputation with the world. You know, like that's <laughs> it's like asking asking the enemy if you think the battle is good. Oh no, I think you should give up. That would be that would be the the right answer from the enemy. But inside the church, that is that is quite a lot of concern. Um, and some of them, I mean, we we both know that there there have been bad things done in the name of missions. There's also been good things done. And in the end. Sometimes I almost feel like when when people raise these objections, what you're actually you're saying is that the people over in this place are stupid. You know, like, do you think that they're so gullible and so vulnerable that we're just going to go over and have these slick tongues and talk them into something that's not true? Or do you think they're smart, reasonable, intelligent human beings that deserve the opportunity to at least hear his name and make a decision for themselves? You know, like, mm-hmm. like what's your real objection there? And for people that are in that camp, you know, I, I'm with you, I would encourage get some more education, meet some people who are who are over there doing it, see 
the way we do missions today is vastly different than we did 150 years ago. Uh, that's vastly different than what things looked like when uh, when America was colonized in the 1492, you know, the, that time frame. A lot of stuff has changed. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, now that we're officially, according to Barna, we're in the older adult category, James. So Smart and wise. Congratulations on that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's easy. You know, my first instinct was kind of think this sort of like, ah, these kids these days, they don't understand, you know, anything about missions history. But I think the reality is this is true in every generation. You know, the mm -hmm. discipleship and teaching and those who have maybe gone before sharing and things like that. So I think um, there's probably nothing new under the sun that every generation has had its obstacles and its uh, misunderstandings. So I, I don't think we need to overly become, you know, grumpy old guys about this. But uh, the one thing that did, did encourage me and may, I guess maybe validated what we do for, for, for ministry, James, <laughs> is they, they asked, do you consider yourself a potential missionary? Mm. And that young adult, 18 to 34 category, 52% of the people said, yes, I do consider myself a potential missionary. The mm -hmm. older adult category, our, our category, only 28% said mm. yes. And I think that that makes sense logically. You know, the, the older you get, the more established you've got kids, you've got mm -hmm. your, you know, work responsibilities, all these kind of things kind of holding yeah. you here. There's and so- that, that just shows that that's who we're hit, hitting the right yeah. demographic, James. <laughs> yeah. And some way that's true. I do want to push back against the older people such as ourselves and the even older, older, because you do have to realize, and the IMB has a whole program on this uh, for masters people. Like you may not be able to go over at 65 and learn the language or at 60 or whatever, but gray hair gets you a lot of traction, a lot of places in the world. And I've known some people that didn't speak a lick of the local language. And I felt like had tremendous ministries because they were just these like old caring people that would sit and listen to these often with students, like college students, listen to what was going on in their life, love them, care for them, share the gospel with them. I had tremendous opportunities. So don't write yourself out. Exactly. Yeah. You, if you've, if you're out of that uh, young adult category, you're not, the Lord's not done with you. <laughs> Absolutely. James. Good, good point. But I started thinking about, so you know, what, what could be some solutions to help you know get people more connected, more interested? And one of the statistics they said that was striking to me is that in the question of do you know a missionary well, the young adult demographic, I think 44% of the people said yes. In the older adult, it was I think 72% said they knew a missionary well. And so obviously that's going to make a huge impact. Uh, in fact, mm -hmm. I, I, so in my own mind, I, I coined a phrase here, James, you ready? Okay. It takes two ships to get people to the missions field, relationship and discipleship. And so you you know, that relationship part of it, uh, it's really, it's significant. And so maybe, you know, the younger adults are less likely because they just haven't, they don't have enough, as, as much life experience to have run into someone and become friends with them, but maybe there's something else. But I think either way relationship with someone who has been cares about or you know is involved in missions in some way it's it's critical to this mobilization part mm -hmm. yeah for sure my wife grew up and just knew like her mother uh, specifically had lots of friends that had been overseas and they would see them when they were back and so that was like a very real and natural part of her life and like she went into college knowing that she would suspend a significant amount of her life overseas like that was kind of a like 
I've met these people. They're not the weird people that come in funny dress clothes with, you know, wild stories. Like these are normal, good people that loved me, that I learned from, challenged me, discipled me. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's that, that kind of relationship, discipleship we've talked about. Uh, one of the other things that I thought was interesting, you know, in our line of work, particularly working with college students, we hear a lot about like, oh, these, you know, these parents are so overprotective and, you know, <laughs> they've, uh, they're helicopter mm-hmm. parents and all these kind of things or snowplow parents. There's all these terms that <laughs> speaking <laughs> negatively about a little overprotective parents. And so I was surprised they interviewed parents and said, you know, are you open to your kids becoming a missionary? This is, you know, engaged Christians, church going folk and either, you know, answering very open or somewhat open was about 74%. And so again, I think that's, that's higher than my expectation would have been just, you know, from anecdotally interacting Mm -hmm. with parents. But again, it's the, the negative voices are louder, right? The parents who love us, aren't as likely to call us as the parents who are concerned and upset. And so, um, so that was significant, Mm -hmm. but I would say they, they, uh, there was one whole page where they were talking about concerns that parents have. Let me just turn to it here. And several of them were striking to me. So example, for example, it's, here's the question is, or the, you know, do you agree with this statement? It is particularly dangerous for a single woman to be a career missionary in a foreign country. So we've got 80% of parents were either agreed or somewhat agreed with that statement. If my son or daughter became an international missionary, I would be constantly worried. So you've got 63% either agreed or somewhat agreed. Those are parents again. In most foreign countries, it's too dangerous to be a missionary these days. You've got over 50%, you know, almost uh, 64% said, yes, I would agree or somewhat agree to that. Uh, agree strongly or somewhat agree, I guess, are the two categories. And so you you see there's still some issues there, but, you know, the but still some openness as well. So I think, again, if you're open, but you have some concerns, then you, you got to bring in those two ships again, right, James? Bring in the ships of relationship, discipleship. Yeah. And I think the other thing to consider as a parent, too, is like, so 63%, if I remember the number, said they would be worried if their child, well, how much, what percentage of those are going to be are going to be worried in America? It's not going to be zero. Some people like you're just worried, and and I mean I got I have kids. I think about that as well. I sometimes I'm over paranoid about their safety, but at the same time, you know where where God calls them, and am I am I preparing them in such a way? Am I uh, aiming them like arrows? So that when I turn loose, am I strengthening them? Am I grounding them in the word of God? And then am I willing to turn loose, trust God? And and that's a hard one. And my kids are, my oldest is 11. So I haven't had to deal with that yet. But my parents talk about with me, first they sent me to the army, you know, before they sent me overseas. And that was a struggle, I think maybe specifically for my dad. And and there was a time where, where God kind of had a, a real heart to heart with dad and said like, well, whose son is he? You know, like, who are you going to trust? Yeah. And I felt that too. I mean, we have our first teenager now as of this past spring and uh, last summer she went overseas with my wife and it was was interesting. You know, she, I raised her overseas for most (laughs) of her life. And yet I was having this twinge of like, I hope she's going to be okay. Lord, make sure to take care of her. And so, uh, you know, there's good intentions behind us because we love our kids and we, 
uh, think the best for them. But I think too, and this is probably a whole other podcast episode, so we won't <laughs> dive into this too much, but there's so, we have so much exposure to bad things, bad news, right? Mm-hmm. If you have all information is at your fingertips, like it is now, or, you know, a lot of information, yeah. then bad things tend to get your attention more than, oh, James was nice to someone today. That's not going to be in any headlines. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No one clicks on that. It's not clickbaity right. enough. Yeah. There's uh, definitely a, a perception that everything is dangerous out there, but I think the world's always been dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in some ways, what our perception, like when I went overseas, my perception of what that country was like was vastly different than what it was. And it was a closed country. And I had another friend that was over there with us. Uh, his kids are a little bit older than mine. And he said there was actually some ways it was safer for his child in that country than it was like she had more rules and restrictions when she was back here in America. And he's like, this is, this is a weird thing. So our, our perceptions are not always reality. I think if you are a parent, like one, knowing, knowing more missionaries personally is a really good thing. Letting your kids know that if you're a church, how can you get missionaries to come and spend some time with you? Our, our church is blessed. We're a large church and we have like eight mission houses. So we have a pretty steady flow of, of missionaries. Now, I don't know, I don't know the full extent of how much exposure they get because again, we're a really large church, but I think that's really important. And probably the one, uh, we both come from a Southern Baptist background. And so we have a cooperative program, you know, where all the, all the churches go together to, to fund the international mission board. The one downside with that is that you're not, your churches aren't as connected to your people as it is when they, you know, they go raise uh, support that way. So getting, getting those connections is really important. And, and they're out there, they're open. People are looking to connect. If you don't know how to connect with a missionary and you'd like to reach out to us, we would help. If you, if you want your people, if you want your church to be more connected, reach out, you know, let us help. Yeah, absolutely. If you're young, go on a trip and then you'll know someone overseas. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's the best. Well, so maybe we can just move to some conclusions here from this discussion, James. You know, is is there uh, hope for all this or not? I think it's probably <laughs> the question. You know, we tend to, I think Christians these, these days, we tend to be a little bit discouraged by what we see around us. And so, you know, honestly, I, I'm not sure. what. So what's the solution to all this? You know, is there mm-hmm. some new strategy? I think that's kind of what they're getting at with this study. Is there some new strategy to mobilize or should we be doing missions in some, you know, new way in light of some of these realities? And, you know, you know me, I, I'm always uh, overly nuanced in these things. So I, I, I'm not sure is, the, is probably the answer. Uh, even, you know, some of the presuppositions that I kind of went into this, I, I realized that, you know, statistically, it's not maybe not quite what I thought it was. Because, there, you know, there was a lot of people, a lot of young people very interested in missions. Now, what they're interested in you know, so there was, I think, an increase in the interest in things like doing business as missions or humanitarian aid. But really, between the different demographics, there weren't vast differences in, in do you value missions? Do you want to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth? Do you think that the Great Commission is, you know, applicable to you? And so call, call me jaded, James, but I just think there's kind of nothing new under the sun. I, I don't personally think there needs to be some radical new strategy or whatever. I think we need to just keep doing the things that 
the Bible tells us to do and being faithful to that. Mm-hmm. So there might be, you know, some slightly different nuances and objections, but every generation has had its objections to missions, right? We have an enemy, yeah. uh-huh. an enemy who doesn't want the gospel to go to unreached peoples. And so in, you know, William Carey's day, they were saying, well, if God, you know, wants to reach those heathens, he'll do it himself. And in other eras, they were saying different things. So it's, there's nothing new under the sun, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what does our strategy need to be? I think doing the the things that the Bible tells us to do, disciple people, mm-hmm. build a relationship with them, pray mm-hmm. to the Lord of the harvest to send mm-hmm. out laborers into his harvest field. These mm-hmm. are the, there's no other secret formula, in my opinion. Just be faithful to those things and uh, address the issues that are there, whether they, whether they're the same or different in the past. They'll be yeah. addressed by those three things, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And I was just thinking of a lot of our long-term stateside partners. You know, they have a huge emphasis. A lot of them do on really intentional discipleship. And that, that makes a huge difference. And then, you know, the relationship, if you can get a relationship you know, for those, they're building into their ministries relationships with a missionary overseas, relationships with a people group, with a city overseas. And then, and through that, you know, you have, you also have relationships with missionaries and then always uh, more prayer. I like your idea about the two ships. It sounds like a book you should write. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Going by first phrase on the podcast. That's right. Well, good. Well, why don't we stop there and we'll keep going on this topic in future podcasts. But yeah, I appreciate your your thoughts, James, and for facilitating as always. Yeah, you're welcome. We're thankful for George Barna and all his research. Yes, absolutely. It was very insightful. <laughs> so Mr. Barna, if you're listening out there. <laughs> I'm sure he listens he, to our podcast. I would, I would on, think so. I would think so. <laughs> One of the classics, right? All right. All right, listeners. Well, we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, You're one of the classics for us, and uh, we hope you're enjoying it. And uh, we hope these things give you some stuff to think about uh, and help you move forward in your own walk and your family's walk towards towards God, always towards God. Yep. We'll see you next time. Yeah. 